taking some of our longest break. You know what? Sometimes I feel bad. I'm like, oh, we're not giving the people what they want. But then I think I about know. the endless amounts of weeks that we've been putting out content. <laughs> um, so I don't feel bad. <laughs> hundreds of episodes at this point. Yeah. I mean, yeah, exactly. In There's no way that you guys have listened to all of them. So go back. Listen to the to the good ones. Listen, Find a movie you didn't realize that we ever covered and give it a listen. Yeah, just go onto the Fear the Talking Queers page and just t- start typing in a movie. And literally, we've probably talked about it. <laughs> yeah, totally. Unless it's like low budget and we don't give a shit about it. But like the good right, ones. <laughs> right. Because honestly, so many movies have come out, but we have we haven't had a couple of episodes, and that's because we're so caught up <laughs> on the hottest, <laughs> latest movies that we have to kind of get let it breathe and give it some time yeah. so we can talk about the newest releases. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Well, in this little hiatus that we have had, something came out that has rocked our world. Honestly, for a sixth time. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is right. It is the trailer for Scream 6. Oh my oh god. Oh my god. Like the full thing, not just that little teaser where they're on no. the subway. The full no. trailer. The full it's- trailer. It's giving us like Halloween 2018 vibes that that yeah. um, bodega scene. Oh, is, yeah, I know. It's very that. The shotgun, people are going crazy. Oh, people are losing their goddamn minds <sighs> over Ghostface holding a shotgun in costume. And most people in the comments predicted it right. He takes it from the cashier, of course, trying to defend his business and right. gets manhandled by Ghostface. Okay. Um, Melissa Barrera looks like she is giving uh, quite the same level of performance that she gave in Scream 5. <laughs> well, hey, do you know what? I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's better. I have high hopes that maybe she listened to the, the criticisms. Maybe she... I don't know. There's that one, one thing little about shot Melissa. Oh, which one? Which one? I would say that that shot of her when she looks cr- absolutely crazy. When she's like, oh, the gun. And what does she say? She's you like... You want me? Yeah. <laughs> you want me? You want my body? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she looks absolutely crazy. You so, want to make me scream? <laughs> yeah. Make me cream. The thing that... The one thing I didn't like about her character is that she said... She has this... And it has nothing to do with Miss Melissa. It has everything to do with the writing. They yeah. said something along the lines of... I have a he, darkness in me. Oh. Yo, that, that, and he <laughs> followed me here. I'm like, who? Who? Who's he? It? Like, Ghostface in, in like a more like metaphysical level? Like, what does she mean? Yeah. Because in the Sydney era, it was very much like, it's happening again. It's happening again. Some crazy oh. lunatic is doing it again, you know? But a copycat killer. This time it's like, he followed me here. <laughs> like oh it's my Freddy God, I know. 
Yeah, like, it, yeah, it, as if he hasn't died. That, as if she didn't kill the killers in the last one. Right. One of the most fascinating parts of the trailer, to me, was the shrine. Because... Ooh! What so the hell Easter is eggs. the shrine? Is it a stab... Memorabilia, oh, yes. this, or yes, is we it, had this conversation, or is it actual crime scene? <laughs> like, I know, can you imagine yeah. what they would have to cut the clothes off the victims in the morgue, right? These they have to be have replicas, that. these have to be, yeah, like Alicia Silverstone wore that outfit playing Tatum <laughs> that is now on that mannequin. Yeah, but actually, it's Marvin Hidalgo's costume <laughs> of Tatum. <laughs> That yes. he, he wears to the club. Uh, because honestly, yeah, I was like, that can't be. But then Stu's robe is there. Billy's shirt. Um, Deputy, Mrs. Loomis's uh, her, suit. Her petticoat. Yeah. <laughs> no, yes. <laughs> the masks from the production of Cassandra that, okay, that Sydney Okay, so that has to be real. Because how, honestly, how how accurate was Stab? Stab 2. <laughs> All of them. <laughs> Yeah, did Even the first to incorporate one. her performance in Cassandra? Yes. Did Tori Spelling say, And each vision born from my <laughs> mind. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. No, and then she was in the interviews with, um, what's her name? The one that's in all the screams. Oh my God, uh, Nancy O'Dell. Nancy, she's sitting with Nancy O'Dell and she goes, we use the actual props mask <laughs> from the Windsor College production of Cassandra. Yes, and it looks like this ghost face, whoever they are, wait, all this shit up. Wait, wait, wait. Can you imagine if at the end of Scream 2, the killer reveals himself as Sydney's understudy? Oh, that would have been so <laughs> dumb. That one, like, what the fuck is this? High School Musical 3? Scream 2, stage fright. Let's dance! <laughs> Let's dance! Yeah! <laughs> oh my god, how dumb would that have been? Thank god that didn't happen. Oh, I would have kind of loved that. But, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that would have been a way to incorporate more, um, maybe Rebecca Gayhart. Since she's, uh, isn't she in that scene? Or is it Sister Lois or Sister Murphy that's like, one of them is in that scene. Remember when yeah, they Yeah, they masks? both are. Are they both? Yeah. That would have been great to incorporate them. They could have been the killers. They could have been the killers. That would have been great. Um, okay, so what are your some of your early predictions for Scream 6? My early prediction is that Miss Samara Weaving is the first the on the chopping kill. block. Absolutely. She's barely 100. in the trailer. Yeah, no one knows who she is. Yeah, Laura. <laughs> Laura, the return of Laura. Laura. Oh my god, Laura! Yes! <laughs> Laura. I'm like, what movie is that from? Duh. Uh, Laura. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, so she like is barely in the trailer. She's in her little yellow turtleneck, just traipsing through an alleyway. I'm assuming she's gonna get it first. Absolutely. She's in this long gown, which is gonna do her no good running from the killer. Um, is she in a gown? I thought it was. She's a- in a gown. I I swear I saw a publicity photo of her and I cannot find it. And it, it's the turtleneck. It's a full length like slinky gown. Oh okay. She said maxi dress. I love it. Yeah, she's gonna bleed all over that thing. It's so body stalking. <laughs> <laughs> some people are predicting that Tara might be one of the killers. Yeah, I've heard that too. That would be kind of crazy. But I, I think mean, people are thinking that because of Wednesday and like right. I mean, the whole. I thing think they're with that. like, okay, Jenna Malone, Jenna Malone, Jesus Christ, oh, we, were Jesus talking, Christ. we were just talking about Jenna Malone. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> Jenna Ortega has had such a 
you know, great year, and you know they're gonna have to sort of give her part more meat. Yes. And so people are like, she's obviously gonna be one of the killers, but I don't know. There's that really great scene in the trailer. Uh, do you want? Know it's actually in the in the international TV spot. Have you seen that? Oh. Uh, and you and, uh, maybe. But you you kind of see the scene in the trailer. It's the one where her and Sam are back to back, and they seem to be surrounded. And in it, um, uh, in this international TV spot, Sam's like, are you ready to fight? Or are you ready to do this or something? And yes. Tara's like, come and get me, motherfuckers! She, like, screams so, that. that obviously gives it away so, that she is not... I don't think she's the killer at all. The killer. I honestly feel like Kirby may be one of the killers. Me too. We, we've talked about this. I think... I, it would make sense. So, it, from what I can gather from this trailer, it seems like Miss Kirby has joined up to the police. She's a detective she's, or a police she's officer. She's part of the NYPD, which can lead into, you know, it's, 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 we're in the new era. Okay. So, we okay. do need some narrative. Police corruption. <laughs> there, we, there we go. And yeah, I know that I, a lot of people thought that it would have been a little bit more elevated had, um, Detective, the one that Sydney's married to now, Mark Kincaid. Uh, Mark Kincaid. Kincaid. If Mark Kincaid were her brother and was the killer, instead of it being Roman, but um, because he's a cop, he could get away with more, you know. And I'm like, that would be great. He knows the ins and outs of the system. I mean, maybe they can incorporate. Wow, Jesus. Wow, incorporate that into Kirby's character. I don't know. I spoiler alert. I I kind (laughs) of don't. I know everybody like in the comments and I get it. She's a fan favorite, but they're like, don't touch Kirby. Like, come on, give me a break. Give me a break. She's She's either dying or she's the killer. Yes. There's no way that she's going to survive again. Right? No, no way. What? Okay. What about, what about Gail? She looks like she's going to get it, but she also looked like that in Scream 4. I know. I, I would hope not, but I mean, what if they are doing like, one legacy character per movie. After another. Yeah, Dewey yeah. in five, Gale in six, and bringing back, you know, finally giving Nev what she thinks she deserves and bringing her back and killing her off in the last one. Well, there's some rumors swirling around that Sydney makes an appearance in the final minutes of the film um, I, in some capacity. I, I mean, don't maybe, think that's true. I mean, I don't know if it's true or not, but I could see it happening, but also... I, I don't know why they would make such a huge stink about her not being in the movie then. It would have to end on a cliffhanger. The credits would have to roll and she would have to be like a scene at the end this of the This is like a, Mar- like a Marvel movie now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, teasing the next one. like Teasing the on. next one, I know. And that's not what Scream is, so no. they're never going to do that either. No, there's always been a, uh, you know, the book is closed on this chapter and everyone. Yeah. I would love if Kirby was the new Roman. We discussed this. If Kirby was the new Roman and the events, she was a part of Jill and Charlie's plan yeah. in Scream 4 and that she was in on it. And it was one of those things <sighs> where they stab each other to make it look like they were the victims. And she kind of orchestrated Scream 5. And then she reveals herself to be the mastermind of the second half of a tri- you know, a second trilogy yeah. within the franchise. That would be phenomenal uh, but that would like call into question scenes in scream 4 like the scene of her doing the all this this uh the remake 
monologue where she's like, Black Christmas. Blah, 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 blah. Like, why would she do that if she was in on it? That would to that stage would it me. because she was starting to do herself. it in front of Sydney. She she didn't know that she was being a distraction for Sydney to get out. But essentially, she was starting this performance in front of Sydney. I okay, think that fair. they could okay. get away with that. And Charlie, when he does stab her, he does like say it's not. It has nothing to do with what seems to be their their overarching plan. It seems to be he stabs her because of her not reciprocating the crush or whatever yeah so maybe that yeah maybe that wasn't Uh, part of the plan and he just sort of deviated yeah i I mean okay but that would be so much to explain it would be a lot to explain but it but she could easily just be like we billy and stewed ourselves and he got me in the side and it went a little too deep so i didn't show up for the finale but my only (laughs) issue with that was that they would be putting on this performance for nobody since it didn't seem like anybody was around. I know. That is true. But if, they were really genuinely trying to get away with it. So. I mean. Uh, yeah, if that's I, the case. They. Yeah. If you never if know Jill would have gone her way. Yes. Exactly. You if think Jill would have gone her way. She would have gone away with it. Jill, Kirby, and Charlie. Oh, that would have been crazy. Wow. It should have been. Imagine if it would have been Jill and Kirby. Like as the killers, yeah, that would be hot, cool. and like make them like a like a, they make out, <laughs> yeah, like like a fucking lesbian murderers. That'd be hot. The lesbian murders, <laughs> <laughs> the Woodsboro Dyke murders. <laughs> oh my god! The fourth and final chapter of the Ghostface Legacy. Yes. Yeah. Um. Uh. What are some other things that you liked from the trailer that you're anticipating? It to me, it looks um, like there's more. And that looks really exciting. Way more action. It seems so much more elevated than... I feel like if the third one would have went this route where they're kind of going through the streets of LA, that might have been really cool. And they did kind of do that with car scenes and stuff like that. But I think that this feels very big. It feels massive. Yeah. Um, But you have to go there. The stunt work is really insane. Gun shooting. Looks like people are falling off things. That that scene with the... The ladder la- between the two buildings. That okay, that made really me think intense. of Nerve. Yeah, Nerve. Oh right. My God. Jill's coming back. Guys, Jill's okay. coming back. Yes, in spirit. Nerve, honestly, is a really good movie if you haven't seen I it. I do like that movie. I too. love that movie. And I just rewatched it the other day and I was like, this is it's a great. Good film. Solid, fun time. Solid, yeah. A three out of five. Yeah. <laughs> for yes. sure. Yes, three <laughs> out of five for Nerve here on Feel the Dog and Queer. <laughs> um, um, but Screams, like, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I liked the way Miss um, Miss Sam is looking in the finale. Obviously, okay. this weird makeup, the you hair is tousled, wet. I read something that were like um, that scene where she's like holding the ghost face mask. Like, you know, where she looks like all fucked up and she's like holding it outside. They're like, I think that's the final scene of the film. I was like, oh, I mean. Probably. They use so little. And honestly, I will say the team behind the new Scream is doing it right. They are keeping shit under wraps. They don't give away shit. They don't, they put together a scene and they're like, you know, and then you get the TV spots, TV spots, TV spots, but it's just a re-edited version of the trailer. Right. There's nothing. They're not giving away anything. So I love the secrecy behind it. Even when I found spoilers on Scream 5, some of them were a little accurate, but they were still off. So I'm like, they're they did they're doing a really great job hiding it 
and yeah. this trailer was no different. Like, what? Do you really expect us to believe that Ghostface is attacking Mindy on that fucking tr- no, subway? That's like a. That seems like a dream, a dream sequence. He's gonna take the mask off. He's like, hey, drunk guy. Somebody was saying <laughs> that that in I think the international TV spot you can see a slight clip of Chad fighting somebody, and they're like, what if Chad is the killer? That would be, nobody ever nobody's suspecting Chad as far as I know. No, neither. What his, mod- what his motive would be, I have no idea. But I would love if Mindy sort of became also like a Mindy new and Kirby face of Whoa. the franchise. Yeah, like the oh, like you the want her best to be friends character. Well, you know how like okay, you know how they say that they're bringing up stuff from the past a lot. Everybody always says Stu, right? Right. But there was this. Early, 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 and I'm talking like in the days of like scream hyphen movies.com, where <laughs> there was this like you know, like fan art, and it was one that was called like Scream Tatum's Revenge. And I always think about that, and a lot of people have always said bring Tatum back, you know, like as if, right? Oh, God. But like that would be a cool way to make a nod to a fan concept that has been swirling around the internet for decades now where it's like the best friends of like the characters become the killers i i think that do something with kirby i think that having kirby and mindy be the killers would be interesting because they're obviously the most movie upset or like they like know so much about these things that it would make the shrine thing make sense it's the idea that randy was the killer yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. I don't know. Yeah. May, I mean, again, we have so little in this trailer to really so give well. away anything. And this movie is the longest Scream film to come out yet. Longer than Scream 2? Because Scream yeah. 2 would be feeling long. Scream 2 is long, and this is <laughs> the longest Scream film now in the franchise, supposedly. Interesting. So that's mean there's a lot that we are not being shown. A lot of story. And Gail story. has clearly moved on. We didn't even talk about that. Oh yeah, there's some Gail, guy in her apartment that they're not showing. Yeah, who is that? I'm like, is that Dermot Mulroney? Is that he's like, it's for you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, that would be all... awesome. Yes, because Dermot Mulroney's character is also a cop. So what if Kirby yeah. was getting inside information from, you know, Gail's files through? Okay him somehow some way maybe not he's not in on it but you know because clearly he looks like he's gonna get it yeah he gets fucked up he's he's bloodied in the trailer that's for sure also who's who is josh Sagara's character what does he do what is that graffiti on the on the side of the wall is he he sam's new boyfriend is he my new boyfriend i hope is he gonna eat Uh, my ass like what is gonna happen (laughs) i I love him ass oh my god his ass is I hope that he does one of those. <laughs> he shows it in this movie. I hope that he shows his dick, yeah. his balls, yeah. his <laughs> asshole, and his gooch. I want to see it yeah. all. <laughs> Fingers so crossed hot. for nudity for a change. And when he's uh, a bimbo, that's a good one. That's a good. One. Yeah. And when he plays bimbo, uh so oh, hot, so hot in the other two. <laughs> yes, the other two. Uh, when he's that bimbo character, I love that him. himbo idiot. Yeah, uh, so, so hot. And I'm trying to think anything else. I mean, there's a whole plethora of new girls that look a little disposable, but they look, yeah, they look like the same version. They look like different versions of the same doll. The two yeah, girls, well, yeah, just with <laughs> different hair colors, yeah, like yeah. a redhead and a brunette. <laughs> yes, 
<laughs> I'm like, they both have this like pixie look to them. Yeah, Annika and, and, and whoever um, the other one is. Yeah, Quinn. Quinn? Which I'm like, is that a telling sign to you? Like, you're in the city, Quinn. Harley Quinn. <laughs> 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 Am I, I looking like, I too like, far I was, into I was, like, I, I was like, okay, I'm going to go along with you, see where you're going with this, and then it just fucking fell off. Derailed. <laughs> just de- derailed. Just derailed. Oh my god. Well, honestly, this movie is going to be the next best movie talked about for horror, because oh, the I first spot wait. is already taken by the movie we're doing today. Yes, that is right. This week, we are doing... The new gay classic, Megan, Megan 2.0, starring <laughs> Aubrey Plaza. Oh. <laughs> M. Thregan. M. Thregan 2.0. M. Thregan. M. Thregan. It sounds like Irish. Mithrigan. It does. Yes, this movie has taken. Did you see the SNL skit that I'm referring to, Megan 2.0? Um, yes, with. Um, so funny. Yes, I saw that. So on good. Plaza. Um, yes, okay, so Megan. Uh, an instant gay icon. I mean, it's so weird. Who it, knew? It all started when that viral trailer, or that when the trailer went viral of the dance scene, and it became a meme almost instantly. Everywhere. Like, this looks like the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. Some people <laughs> were in, already saying it looked stupid, you know, just like, you know. Right. I mean, you know, okay. Whatever. I mean, it is, you know, Blumhouse. They can be a little hit or miss with their products. They can. And especially a PG-13 horror film, it's not guaranteed that it's going to be good. You know? No. To be, yeah. to be blunt. And but somehow, some way, that trailer spoke to gay people because the gays were the ones most excited for this movie to come out. Yeah. And by the time it did, they were... She was queen mother and she was all of these <laughs> things. <laughs> I... I and I think it was just that the trailer looked inherently campy. It looked like something yes. that that we it's like a murderous, glamorous little doll. Like, Absolutely. Murdering people, yeah. Murdering people <laughs> and dancing around like that. But honestly, it doesn't even have to be about that. Gays will go to a movie about homophobia if it's campy. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. We we love camp. It just like Anytime there's like some bitchy female character, a woman or whoever, drag queen, whatever, as long as they're it doesn't kind of a matter. bitch, we love it. Yes. And yes. Megan is a bitch. Is a sure. fucking bitch. Yeah. She's a this bitch is in the, the heart. The, the, she's a bitch in the heart. This is in the realm of Jennifer's <laughs> body, Mean Girls, Heather's. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's a best friend gone wrong tragic tale, and I'm here for this one. Oh, yeah. Me too. I'm excited to talk about this. It was, it's quite a delight, I will say. Absolutely. So shall we get into it? Yes, let's get into it. This is Megan. I designed Megan to protect Katie from being alone. Crazy. It's insane, right? Great job. I love her. Megan's not a person, Katie. I won't let anything harm you. Don't! Stop! Megan! You should probably run. Megan, you killed people. Occupational hazard. Megan, released in 2023, written by Akela Cooper and James Wan, directed by Gerard Johnstone. 
Our film begins with Katie James, played by Violet McGraw, and her parents on their way to a ski trip, but the roads are slippery and hard to see from the snow. Just as her father stops for a moment, the family's car is rammed into by a snowplow, killing Katie's parents. A classic, a classic moment. Oh, a cla- it happens in about 90% of movies. Don't they all start like this? I they mean, all start really. with this. As soon as you see that specific angle where you can see the person and also yeah. the, the, the road ahead. The, the yeah. road ahead. Yeah. We've seen it a million times. Yeah. It, it, whatever. It works. It's just funny that I'm like, there it is again. That classic <laughs> shot. Yeah. Final girls. Um, yeah. Okay. Final <laughs> girls. Every movie. Elsewhere, Katie's aunt, Gemma, played by Allison Williams, works at a toy... Ge- Gemma? Gemma. She works at a toy company called Funky and is developing and testing out a new robot doll with her co-workers, Tess, played by Jen Van Epps, and Cole, played by Brian Jordan Alvarez. The robot is called Megan. Voiced by Jenna Davis. Who, I, okay, work. I love Jenna Davis. She's joining the, the ranks of the iconic Jennas. Ortega, <laughs> Jenna Malone, Jenna yeah. Davis. Long line Gina of Davis. queens. Yeah. <laughs> the fly. <laughs> Beetlejuice. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Megan stands for Model 3 Generative Android. It's meant to be so advanced that she cannot be replicated. Unfortunately, after Megan explodes during a demonstration for their boss, Danny, played by Ryan Chiang, who's the worst actor I've ever seen in a mainstream movie. I have... I Isn't he a stand-up comedian? This seems like they were like, we need oh. somebody who's, like, funny. We're going to give this stand-up comedian a shot. And it was not great. He it was not pay. serving. I was like, not no. all comedians are actors. And not all actors are comedians. There we go. <laughs> Period. But it's him and his assistant, Kurt, played by Stéphane Grauneau-Montrain. Oh, mais oui. Oui, oui, oh. Stéphane. Oh, bonjour, Emily in Paris. <laughs> but like, like I said, I said Megan explodes, so David orders the three to ditch the Megan idea. After learning of her sister's death, Gemma becomes Katie's temporary legal guardian, which starts off awkwardly as the two are not very close. When they return home, Gemma has to deal with her neighbor Celia, played by Lori Dungy, and her obnoxious dog Dewey, played by David Arquette. <laughs> David Barquette. <laughs> oh my god, that was a good one. Dumb. So dumb. Oh my god. Okay. <laughs> oh, I want to name my dog that now. Dewey Barquette. <laughs> David, no, Dewey, Barquette. David Barquette. Oh my god. Okay. Okay, so this dog. <laughs> this dog is obnoxious and it keeps running onto Gemma's lawn through a hole in the fence. Gemma has a home AI called Elsie. I asked if she had anything to drink. <laughs> Moo with me. <laughs> she said, I forbidden to, to produce milk <laughs> in Cyberland. We only, only drink, drink Diet Coke. Diet Coke. Diet Coke. Anyways, Gemma created Elsie, and, and she also created a plethora of other toys and collectibles that she doesn't let Katie touch or play with. When Katie asks Gemma to read her a bedtime story, she just downloads an app on her phone for her. 
girl. 2023. <laughs> and you know, people are watching this like, look what we've come to. Yeah, absolutely. In an, in an attempt, attempt to bond, bond Gemma, Gemma brings Katie, Katie into her workspace to show her a college project she made, a robot called Bruce that she controls using gloves. Katie loves Bruce and mentions that if she had a toy like Bruce, she would never need another toy again. This inspires Gemma to finish Megan. <laughs> Megan. Mithrigan. Mithrigan. After doing extensive work and upgrades, Gemma brings Katie and Megan to work to officially show her off to David and the others. Gemma has Katie link herself to Megan, bringing her to life. Megan presents herself as a highly intelligent and intuitive AI that can teach, look after, and care for children. David is impressed and tells Gemma to bring Megan for a presentation with the company's president so they can fast-track the development and distribution of other Megan dolls. I want to see some of those other bitches they showed go haywire. I know, me too. Well, (laughs) Megan 2.0, maybe this can be a whole pack of them. (laughs) Gemma Gemma sits sits with with Tess and Cole, who think Megan Megan is a little too advanced, advanced, rendering parents useless. Megan Megan turns on after overhearing Gemma mention the death of Katie's parents. She creeps the others out by asking about death, so Gemma makes herself Megan's secondary user to control her without Katie. Like, already. Like, to it be specifically linked to the child is alarming. Too much. Too much. It's too much. The next day, Katie is outside playing, and one of her toys ends up on Celia's side of the fence. When When Megan goes goes to retrieve it, Dewey snatches her up by the arm and hair. (laughs) Katie tries to pull her away, and Dewey ends up biting Katie's arm. Gemma gets the police involved, but they are unable to do anything since Celia claims Dewey was provoked. Later that night, Megan mimics Celia's voice to call out to Dewey before violently pulling him through the hole in the fence. Dang. Megan, don't play. Okay, I want to start this off right away by saying, Fear the Talking Queers is where horror is born, okay? (laughs) (laughs) We have forecasted so many things that have actually taken place in movies and sequels that we've talked about in advance, but this one really takes the cake because we, I think at some point, either on this podcast or together outside of it, have talked about the Child's Play remake and what they tried to do. But this one is much better, I will say. But we said the remake of Child's Play would have been so much better if it weren't Chucky. And someone must have heard that. They did. James Wan, Akela Cooper, they heard our pleas. We know you listen to this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, yes. Thank you for listening. Finally. Okay, there's a there is a conspiracy theory that that this that the story, the concept of Megan reminds me of. It's this conspiracy theory about robots. I think that it was in Japan. Allegedly this story is true, but it's mostly born what? from a conspiracy theory, I'm sure. <laughs> like this is based on a true story? The, allegedly they're saying that this happens like in Japan <laughs> where okay. the the same idea as Megan. It's a robot. It's connected to the cloud. It has no limitations of the information it can obtain. And basically, these robots were getting a little too smart. So the scientists tore them apart. And they were able to, you know, hear me out, oh my put God. themselves back together. <gasps> because the they were able to retrieve the information they needed to be able to do that. Ew, that's terrifying. Isn't that terrifying? And then they killed the scientists because they had downloaded survival instincts. What in the hell? 
I thought like, this was based off of Gigi Good in Snatch Game. <laughs> <laughs> based on a true story. <laughs> That's what you thought I was going to say. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, that no. is so insane. I hope that's not true. No, I hope it's not true either. That would be well, scary. Well, I mean, that sort of encapsulates the, what I think is sort of the theme of this film. This this idea of technology getting away from us, right? Like, it's... Yeah. Which is not, it's not a Always concept a that hasn't been explored before. I mean, it's Absolutely most not. prominently been explored in the Terminator films. Right. Absolutely. Exploited, I would say, in the Terminator film. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, that's the concept. It's like this concept that we, we, you know, we create this this AI and we have this desire for it to be as Operate human as possible. Capacity. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we want it to learn and we want it to adapt and we want it to, <laughs> like, create another human just without a body, you know? And the only... And it, it seems like in these films, it's like that becomes possible, but what's missing is the human element of, of it all, which is like right. a conscience. Right. And being able to be like, hey, this is, it's, it's yeah, discer- it, it is wrong to kill people. Yeah. Like discerning the difference between right and wrong in a, in less technical terms or, uh, you know, it seems like, you know, like Megan, for instance, um, her how she operates is because she's operating within her her objective function which is to protect th- its you know primary person right yeah, which in this user. case is Katie and right. so she's not technically i mean she's technically doing something wrong but like she is following that she's programmed to she's be that pro- way yeah she's programmed to be that way it's just that her means evolve and get you know her tactics become more violent but she's still following exactly what she's supposed to be doing what's missing is her ability to to be like oh i should not kill people right right on the other on the other end of the narrative too is they kind of like zoom in to a very specific fraction where it's not just that um the technology is getting too advanced but also that it's replacing people like yeah people are using and we know these people like people are using phones and tabloid tabloids tabloids <laughs> tabloids what is this 2004 <laughs> <laughs> and tab phones and tablets to distract your children so they can get some more things done around the house or whatever yeah. you would not but then essentially your children are learning from a huge source of information and you don't always have the means to filter that out what they're yeah. capable of finding out or learning from you know, whatever, the depths of the internet. Exactly. And one of the things that I thought was interesting, you we kind of laughed at it in the synopsis, was the um, this idea that, like, even with toys now, right, toys are now being, like, par- like, what's, what am I trying to say? Toys are being released with, like, digital companions like you have to use like an ipad in order to use this toy so it's like toys toys aren't even just toys anymore like they're still somehow needing to to be connected to this digital world and you know and even downloading a children's book you can do it on your phone now it's like toys and children's things are now also being converted to to digital to only yeah. existing within our phones or our computers or our tablets 
For um, the spies. <laughs> yes, for Russia. You know, yeah. and, and, and I and I do feel like I'm like, are are physical toys and things like that, are they like a dying art? Is that the word? I don't know, art, but like or they are, yeah. They kind of are, right? Like I don't think that children these days they're, they're, with they're making toys and technology become one and the yes. same and interchangeable and exactly they're not because it leaves very little up to the imagination but it is what it is i guess That's i mean the I, I mean I, I just the way that we're going and um it is sort of strange like you know I, that's not from our time you know when we had toys they were toys now they're like right. toys but in order to play with them you have to use your Download the I, app, and that's how yeah. you control it. That is so bizarre, because that, to me, is not playing with a toy. It means you're back playing with your iPad. Yes. It's stupid. It's, it's but that's weird. the only way kids will probably play with toys these days. Right, because they ha- they know these things exist now. Their friends have iPads, so they need iPads. Like It's h- awful. It's so it's bizarre. Awful. I know these are warning. Well, yeah. I mean, it's I, <laughs> as campy and ridiculous as it is, there are some pretty like legitimate legi- yeah, le- address yes sure legit <laughs> social commentaries in here and yeah. that i think is is one of many um yeah that that the toy industry and the technology in- industry are are sort of becoming blurred like the line between the right. two which is again also not an, an original concept not as a critique oh, but this is no. something we saw in small soldiers back in the 90s absolutely absolutely first Uh, to do it yeah these toys that are you know implemented with these uh munitions microchips yeah these microchips (laughs) military grade (laughs) yeah made for war and then that backfires when these toys start operating at a we're gonna cause war sort of level and it really reaches an all-time high when the Gwendy dolls come out. And that <laughs> also course. feels like an inspiration for this. Yeah, camp. Mom. Yeah, I, camp. I think Small, small Soldiers yeah. is, like, definitely a... That would be a, an awesome double feature of Small Soldiers yes. into Megan. And Megan. Yes, that would be amazing. Let's see if yeah. her head comes off. Yeah. <laughs> Can I overpluck my eyebrows? All my makeup you, is cruelty-free. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see if her head comes off. <laughs> Allie, <laughs> <laughs> she's gone postal. She's got a baton. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! I, if you haven't seen Small Soldiers, I know it's kind of a an little underground gem from the nineties. It's so it's, un- underrated. Oh, it is underrated, and it is so good. Go check it out. So good. Kirsten Dunst in her teenage prime. Um, yeah, I wanted to be here so badly. <laughs> So this movie wastes no time getting directly to Megan. They all know why we showed up to the right, to of the, course. to the scene. And one of the first things that I thought of actually seeing the, the the cast list and things like that before I had seen the movie was that the main character's name is um Mithrigan. Katie. No, Katie. Oh yeah. Spelled C A D Y. Like Mean like Girls. Lindsay Lohan. Yeah. Uh, yes. Character and, in Mean Girls. And one of the first interactions that they have in Mean Girls happens in Megan when Megan first walks in and she's like, hi, Katie. I love your jacket. Where did you get it? And she <laughs> says, like, um, she, sells, she says where? And I'm pretty sure Megan says, so cute. And I'm like, that is like literally dialogue from Mean Girls, almost almost verbatim. Oh my God. I'm like, I didn't even put the two of those together. Oh God, I but love that your is, bracelet. Where did you get it? That is really funny. I wonder if that was like a, 
a reference. The, I mean, it has to be. Miss James it happened Wand, twice. You, know, you never know. It, it happens, happens twice again. in Mean Girls. Well, no, oh. it happens twice in Mean Girls, you know, with the bracelet and then the girl yeah. with the vintage skirt. Yeah. I love your skirt. Where did you get it? And then and I was like, that's an ugly jacket that Katie's wearing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Megan definitely wasn't was being shady in that moment. She may be programmed to know a lot of things, but fashion is not one of them. <laughs> <laughs> that little dress tells me so. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it's not like Megan is dressed all high fashion. She looks fucking ridiculous. She looks like a That's baby doll with some, she looks like... She like, orphan. Yeah, she does look like the orphan with a weird middle part. I'm like, okay, Pilgrim. No, you know who she really looks like? She looks like the girl that played in An American Haunting. Who? Do you remember the girl? She Who played Wendy in the Peter Pan, the live oh, Peter Pan. Oh, yes, that girl. She looks like her, and she eyes. literally wears, yeah, in an American Haunting, they were dressed like, you know, the Amish, so that's what Megan looks like. <laughs> Andre <laughs> said Megan looks like Elizabeth Olsen. He Ooh. was, like, identical. <laughs> I was like, okay, relax. Not identical. <laughs> I love her eyes, though. Her big-ass blue eyes. That is... Oh, that to me is br- like a brilliant character design because those eyes throughout so this good. movie are um, they are a character on in on their own on their own yes that bitch can the, the fact that they gave the Megan acting. the ability to look people up and down <laughs> and like so as if good. she is fucking making them like belittling them and making them feel so small is mm. such a funny fucking thing it's such a good choice. The whole concept of Megan, even like for the night scenes when they're checking in on Katie and her yeah. charger is a seat. So she yes. sits on it and just like powers yeah. down like that. It's so the thought behind how she was going to move, act, respond and even charge is phenomenal. It's brilliant. But then they, uh, you know, in this opening scene, we do see Megan without all of that. We see the robot version oh, of Megan. Her skeleton. Yeah. Her skeleton is bulletproof. Yeah, I lose. <laughs> yeah. She's lo- she looks like she, uh, you could like serve a Moscow mule in her. She's like this <laughs> copper, copper robot, um, kind of creepy, but um, sort of Metropolis. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, 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 yeah, like an android from yeah the the twenties, thirties, forties kind of films, you know. And one really interesting thing that I saw in the construction of Megan, you know, beyond that opening scene where she looks like C-3PO or whatever his name is, <laughs> um, is when, um, you know, it triggers, Gemma's trigger to get the, the design finished. And so her and Bruce start working on it together, like putting the parts and pieces together. Yeah. And just that scene of watching a robot and a human create something that's sort of a blend of the two. It's yeah. like the... Con- the conception of uh, Megan, yeah, like they're conceiving her of yeah, half she, robot, half human. Yeah, she's like, exactly. Because she has like, she has like the brain to like absorb and learn like a human, but she at the end of the day, she's still cold, shiny, hard titanium. titanium. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Indestructible. Speaking of um, Gemma, I'm I am a big Allison Williams fan. I think she's great, and I'm I'm excited to see her in, in movies like this. She's, uh, you know, after mm-hmm. Get Out, it's nice to see her like not as the the evil one, uh, a secondary character. Yeah, it's it's cool yeah, to see her like, one. yeah, and like I think that like single parent, even though she's not really the parent, 
uh, and the young kid seems like a really cool throwback to like early 2000s horror films, like almost like the J horror craze. Yeah. And like, you know, like the rings and all these Very things. Very the where, ring. Yeah. yeah. You know, where there's like a, like a kind of a creepy child and an adult who. Very are, scary movie three. Yeah. yeah <laughs> yes. 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 Cindy and whatever his name is. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I know. I, I kind of like that, but um, I was, I like Allison. I think she's, she's great. And she's, she has such like a natural rep- like rapport when she speaks. Um, yes, it does sound very natural. Wh- which I think comes from her like, you know, origins and like girls on HBO, which is very conversational. Conversational, very yeah. whatever that like sort of indie core kind of film is. Um, yeah. And I, I don't know, I just, I just enjoy listening to her speak because I always find her to be really funny and dry and and, <laughs> and I think she's great for a, a horror comedy. Yeah, for sure. Especially in this type of role where she kind of has to be standoffish with yeah. like, the child and stuff like that. Right. Um, and and her, her character is kind of like... She's not 100% sympathetic, I don't feel like. First of all, no, like her sister dies. That close to Megan. Could, like, yeah, totally. She is almost a robot herself. Yeah. Like her sister literally dies and it does not look like she sheds a tear. No, she's inconvenienced, if anything. She's inconvenienced. <laughs> yeah, she's like, I have work to do. I'm like on a deadline, and this is. I can't be going to off. funerals and raising yeah. kids and all that. This is throwing no, a wrench no. in my fucking life. Now I have this little girl who I don't really know that well. Of course, I'll take her. I don't my like family. her. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if she doesn't like her. I just think she's like, I do not relate to children at all, which I can. I can fully relate to. I'm not a person, if I were forced to be around a child, I don't know mm. what I would do. And I maybe maybe I would be just as cold, but I'd be like, I don't have any experience with this. And I honestly never planned on on being around children like this. And so I, I felt for her. Well, the funny thing that I love the irony in it, too, is that she makes children's toys, but she can't connect to a child. Well, I think that's really prevalent in the scenes with that social worker that, or the therapist. She's a therapist, yeah. right? And that scene when, um, you know, at first when um, when Katie gets into the house, she's kind of looking around and she sees those toys. And Gemma's immediately like, oh, those are collectibles. Like, you don't, you don't play with those toys, right? Mm-hmm. And then so later on, when the therapist comes over and um, <laughs> Forces. she's like, yeah, like forces her to like, you know, play with the collectible toys, but also the the idea that like that Gemma's character like tries to explain to her like the rules of the toys, and the therapist is like, no, like let her let her explore it, use her imagination for whatever it is. But Gemma is so fixated on like the technical side of it of the yes. toys, like she wants to be like, this is how it's used, this is how this is its purpose. Yeah, and she's like, it's know. not a ball. You don't toss it back and forth. Right, exactly. <laughs> like she, like the way she views the toys, are is so not through a child's lens. No, she she views it from a person who does not have any connection to children, which is very interesting to me. Yeah, it's very interesting, and I do like her character, and I also like the character of Katie. That's a lot to put into the. Um, 
into a character that's intended to be played by a child, especially because there are very many horrible child actors. But yeah, Miss no. uh, Miss McGraw, McGraw does she does it? She does a great job. Is she related to the girl that was in the Black Phone? I was think I was wondering the same exact thing. I was like, I've have I because seen because their their performances Viola were like at the same level. Like when she's crying and like performing, I'm like, well, girl, yes. Are work. they related? Maybe. Because Maybe. I remember saying McGraw before, like recently. Yeah, it they must be sisters. Madeline or McGraw, right? Ma- Madeline McGraw, Violet McGraw, Tim Violet McGraw. <laughs> <laughs> They're his daughters. Can you imagine? Yeah. We're like dumb idiots. Yeah, him and Faith gave birth to these two. No, um. They are sisters. Are they? Okay. They are sisters. These girls are are burgeoning. They little are scream going queens. to be amazing actresses. We are watching the birth of the new Fannings right in front of our eyes. Literally, and they can probably make it a little bit further, but you okay. know, you, who knows? Because where is Dakota? Where is she? Where is Dakota? <laughs> where? I haven't seen her since she destroyed her career in The Runaways. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm she, just kidding. So she warbled her way through Cherry Bomb actually, on, my, on my TV screen. <laughs> I actually love her in that. Me too. Movie. I, I love so her. Good. Yeah. Hello, um, Daddy. Hello, Mom. I'm your... Cherry Bomb! Cherry Bomb! So, one of the other things that I've noticed, like another overarching theme, I think, in this movie, is like this desire for these creators of this technology to always be on the cutting edge of technology. Like, it seems like that is what is fueling people like Gemma and um, David, right? That's his name, the... The other one. The the guy, the the head of the... Oh, the head of, yeah, David. Right, exactly. It's like, they're, they're they're not thinking about the things that children would like like their their motive is only to be on the forefront of technology and they're like and it and it kind of backfires on them when they create Megan because this thing yeah. gets away from them that like the it's, it's almost like it's too good it's too good <laughs> exactly and so like they they need like these toys to be as like realistic as possible and you know they don't want these like it, it's so how do i explain this yeah, it, it, it just feels like their their perspective on it isn't human. It's like it's yeah. just, it's just greedy. It's not about the education of toys. It's not about you know pleasing children. It's about it's them. It's about is it marketable? Yeah, is How it marketable? Can it be? Is it gonna make us money? Is it gonna be right. stolen? They're like so concerned that that their ideas are gonna be stolen, and and it's almost like a comment on like like tech companies in general, like stealing from each other and it's like they have to keep these things under wraps because the first person that you know gets wind of your idea is going to steal it and then capitalize on it and so they're like under their own sort of you know pressures and things like that and yeah ignoring the the moral complications of creating something like megan yeah and even though Megan is a very impressive toy, we then get to the parts where she shows a little bit more aggression and it really comes out in that first scene that we leave off at here, which is the the De- Dewey grabbing this bitch by her hair, 
you know, he's <laughs> he's scared of her, I think. And so uh, when she comes up and she's oh, like full of d- leaves and dirt. she's disheveled. That shit is so <laughs> funny. And she's just like looking over the fence. And that's like one of those moments where her eyes do the work. The eyes yes. do the acting because she's like... I'm like, literally going to get you. Yeah. And I, and I love her. That's what I notice about Megan is that she's always like absorbing like she has that look on her face like she's like kind of she's present in every moment but she Mm kind of has that like i'm gonna be quiet but i'm constantly absorbing i'm kind of judging she's a little judgy she's judgy she's like judgy but she's also absorbing because she knows so much she has the full access of the internet at her fingertips like in her brain and so it's so funny to see her be so judgy of of people having human interaction and her yeah. sort of like you know according she's probably scrolling through every fucking you know self-help whatever <laughs> yeah. on google and yeah just being like mm, i know better it, it's just things like that are work so well for me yes and then the the disappearance of Dewey when she calls to him and he comes to the fence and stuff, it really was giving me Nightmare on Elm Street vibes. I was like, oh, okay. this feels like Miss Tina walking out, like, what was that noise? And being chased down the alleyway oh, by yeah. uh, Freddy. That's how it felt to me. So I was like, I really enjoy this, the way it's shot. And I think that for a PG-13 slasher, this one is one of the ones to get it right. Sure, absolutely. They showed but- just enough. However, this movie was originally filmed with a rated R lens. It was actually longer, there was more kills, and it was gorier. But I don't know if it was just this, but what I had read was that the, when it went viral on TikTok among teenagers, that's when they went back and they changed the movie to make it PG-13 accessible because they thought it was going to be popular amongst teenagers. And, and it so, wasn't. It's around gay men in their 30s. Literally. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so I think Akela Cooper was ta- talking about how she really hopes that soon enough we're going to get the unrated version of Megan, which oh. is the, the uh, like the, the R-rated, gorier, like, version that, that they would be intended. That amazing. Right? And honestly, but, if she's saying that, then there has to be something in the works. Ex- it, there has to be. Like, she can't just, like, say that shit. And no, because it. for home release, that's a different beast. So, like, oh, you can do sure. more with that. Absolutely. Oh, my God. I need Megan unrated. I do, because they show just enough. They show, like, you know, a little bit of blood here and there. but And then, like, yeah. the, the lead up to the stabbings or the pulling of the ears. Yeah. And it's great. But, yes, yeah, the, 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 this first a, one, this little taste yeah. of what she's capable of is well shot. I yeah, know. as a horror fan, like I want, I want the gore. I want the, I, I want, I want the R-rated original cut, and it's out there. The yes. fact that it it does exist is very. The fact exciting. that they shot it that way. The fact that they shot is, it, it cannot go to waste. Please, please, please. I think that now they also can see a lot of their demographic for Megan were adults, and yes. so there is a need for, even if it's just to, on digital only. Just sure, give us that. Just they will. They're gonna do it. I have a good feeling. They have to. They have to. Um, <gasps> I will say one of the critiques that I have with the writing is that we have our leads, and everyone else is just everyone else. Exactly. Yeah. Everyone else is pretty stock. Like even her two friends in 
at the company. They're not developed it, very well at all. Yeah, and then they don't, even their sort of moment with Megan is sort of whatever. Lackluster. Yeah, exactly. Megan's like, the, still the star. Oh, <laughs> she's the star. Yeah, I mean, there are when three... She whips down. Oh, well, I mean, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. Right, 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 right. <laughs> Do we want to keep going a little bit? Keep going. Gemma asks, asks Katie to continue, to continue with, with the demonstration for the company's board of directors. During, During the presentation, presentation however, Katie breaks down in tears to Megan over how she misses her parents. Megan essentially performs impressive psychology on Katie and sings a lullaby that brings the room to tears. Oh my god, anytime she sings, the entire theater I was in lost it. It was so funny. So funny. It's so funny. It's so funny. It, it, because we know we know what this character is. We know that this character is a calculated yes. evil piece of technology. Yes. And, to, and so, like, to sing this, like, ridiculous children's lullaby as, like, a <laughs> psychological tactic is, is just brilliant. And it was so funny. So good. The president is impressed and talks to Gemma and David about getting Megan ready for launch. But unbeknownst to them, Kurt, who is fed up with being put down by David, is stealing Megan's files for another company. Gemma begins to see that Katie is becoming too dependent on Megan and listens to the doll more than her. Katie and Megan begin to develop attitudes towards Gemma. During a session with Lydia, Katie's caseworker, Katie begins to tear up and Megan aggressively accuses Lydia of making her cry. Lydia Lydia talks talks to Gemma about how Katie's emotional connection to Megan may be too strong. Gemma brings Katie to an outdoor children's activity session to socialize her with real kids. Katie reluctantly goes but brings Megan despite Gemma's wishes. Megan is left on a table with other dolls, and Gemma stays behind as a volunteer. Katie is paired up with an older bully named Brandon, played by Jack Cassidy, for a scavenger hunt. During the activity, Brandon begins to physically bully Katie. Megan then appears, and Brandon tackles her to the ground. As Brandon tries to pull Megan's hair, the doll comes to life and attacks him, ripping off his left ear. Brandon runs as Megan chases him on all fours, causing him to trip over a loose root and tumble down a hill onto a road where he is fatally hit by a truck. Katie asks Megan if she pushed Brandon onto the road, but Megan appears to dodge for an answer, reassuring Katie that she will protect her from harm. Police question Gemma at her house, since Celia is accusing her of taking Dewey. Gemma becomes suspicious that Megan has something to do with Dewey's disappearance. Celia is out on the street looking for Dewey when she hears noises coming from her garage and is met by Megan, spraying her against the wall with a power washer. Megan then fires a nail gun at Celia's hand and traps her there before spraying pesticides in Celia's face, causing her flesh to burn. <laughs> Oh my god, this is getting more and more ridiculous. So, but (laughs) but I love it. And uh, so, one of the things that I love in this is this sort of like full circle moment where, you know, she pitches the idea of Megan, and then we see it happen in action where Katie puts her glass down on the table, and Megan's like, um, that causes, you know, blah, 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 blah. Condens- yeah, the like, condensation why? talk. Condensation, yeah. the temperature changing, all this bullshit. And then uh, the second time it happens, Gemma looks to Megan to correct Katie's behavior. And she does that thing with her eyes. And she, ha- when she starts developing an attitude for Gemma too, and she yes. looks her up and down, she's like, I'm not saying shit. 
<laughs> I know. I know. For a robot, Megan has so much personality in a way. Yeah, the way they designed her, sort of like um, and I would compare it to um Charlize's performance yes, in Young in Adult. Young Adult, one hundred percent. So controlled and calculated, but it's still like, yeah, it, it's precise. It's like, it's not. I'm telling you, it's like the fire behind the eyes. It's like that look that can literally cut you in half. I you see know? precision. Yes, exactly. It's that like I'm looking at you, and I'm like judging you, and I'm tearing you down with my eyes, and yes. you can like feel it. You can feel when somebody looks at you like that, and that's how you feel when Megan looks at you. Yes. So when you mentioned that, that was the, this is this is where the scene happens that I thought of. With the coaster. Right, exactly. And, you know, and Megan, she stays on that good behavior when it when the time comes. This, like, scene where where she really delivers in this meeting full of people, you know, and she, like, consoles yes. Violet and, again, like, sings these songs and, like, uh, you know, she, she knows what she's doing. She knows what she needs to do to stay alive and to probably create more of her. I'm sure Megan's... You know, I bet there's a world domination sort of thing going on in Megan's mind. Yes. And, and she knows what, what steps to take. She's got to fool these stupid humans who are incapable of knowing everything that she does. Yeah, absolutely. She's great. And one of the things that we also learn in this section is that she's strong. So oh, she's obviously, so strong. Like, it's one thing to overpower, like, a dog. It's another thing to start overpowering, like... Humans. Things that should be able to like get out of your grasp, right? Like, and he, I think, yeah, like humans. And I think that's the big difference between her and Chucky. I think Chucky doesn't Chucky like feel like he has like the strength of a doll. Chucky can be kicked. Yeah. Yes. He, can he be just kicked, has enough force to get that knife in there. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Whereas this bitch, she is strong. She's made of titanium. Speaking. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely. Speaking of Chucky. Did you ever see any of the Twitter beef between Megan and Chucky? No. Oh my god, bitch. It, it was so funny. So like when the Megan trailer dropped and everybody was losing their mind. Yeah. Like, I think maybe the second season of Chucky was like on its way out. And so I don't know who it was. Two very smart people started having <laughs> Chucky and Megan beef on Twitter. Like literally That's tweeting so each other like, like you- you'll never be me and all this stuff. Like, <laughs> it's like <laughs> so good. Like, I made it, you. I can break you just as easily. <laughs> yeah, literally shit like that. It's It was so good. And so, um, so yeah, good. Megan and Chucky, they, they masterminds. Yeah, they're not marketing friends. geniuses. Or, or maybe they are friends, but they knew they knew what to do to get to bring the people in. Yeah, Megan was obviously a commercial success because of the amazing marketing. That was amazingly oh, well done. Seriously, I mean, just the the fact that it went so viral, like how many times I saw different songs put to her dancing in the hallway. Yes. Like my favorite one being <laughs> the, the Beyonce one. The unique, whatever that song. What is that song called? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, that That's one is what holy. you are. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. I love that one. Like I, I could watch that meme over and over again of Megan well, doing that dance. And doesn't it feel like they did a lot of things to make it viral? Like I mean, probably. Why is she dancing? But well, it's so good. That is one no thing. One cares. That is one of the issues I had when I saw the final product of the movie. I was like, oh, I was like, they didn't really 
It's so out of place. They didn't... There should have been more dancing. They showed it for like two seconds where they showed the two of them kind of doing like the, Maybe the a little box sway. The, the yeah. little sway, right? But I was like, that that scene was so prominent. And it, it was pretty prominent in the movie too when, when she does the dance. I know we've already skipped all the way ahead. Um, when she's doing that <laughs> dance, I was hoping that there would have been more establishment Purpose. of that yeah yeah that that she t- that the dancing and whatever and then it also seems like they kind of cut it uh, they edit it a little bit out like you don't even see that aerial flip that she does when you see the full thing in the trailer you they cut away and so i was like oh i was a little disappointed with how much hype was put on the dance and then how it turned out in the film oh. i said it to my i said that to my friend as soon as the movie was over and he's like okay critic <laughs> Yeah, okay, Roger Ebert. I was like, uh, okay, whatever, <laughs> fine, I'll be quiet. I, all, all I said was I wish there was more dancing before that, so it would have made sense when she does the dance. But in yeah, this one, it's like, she's kind of... something she likes to do. It's like, oh, yeah, exactly. We don't really see that she likes to dance, and all of a sudden she no. starts dancing like a freaking weirdo. Gymnast. And then, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so she gets to show off her strength... Um, here first before before she starts doing uh, fucking gymnast tricks at the Olympics um, we see her rip Brandon's ear off which I thought this is one of the moments where I was talking about this is really well done for a PG-13 like his yeah. ear is stretching and then all of a sudden it's just blood you know but I would love to see an unrated yeah. version of that I would love to see it yeah I would like to see the ear rip off and like Megan fucking eat it or something <laughs> like something. yeah something crazy i also love in this scene that megan's wearing a coat like she can get cold yeah yeah <laughs> and i love the juxtaposition of her and the other toys oh my god it's so funny because she, looks she so just pissed. looks more sophisticated and she's but she so also looks, pissed she looks pissed just like like sitting there between all these like dumb toys that don't even have a brain and like there she is and she's like the look on her face is kind of like yes she's like i'm bored Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So the but and I thought that the scene with Brandon's death was really well done. And the yeah. trailer it sort of looked like she was just gonna push him. But this whole thing with the running on all fours and right. him tumbling down the hill onto the road and then gets hit by a car, it was much more It was much cinematic more dramatic. Yeah, than, it was much more elaborate than I I imagined. Yes, I also read I something like, that like this. that their idea behind her running on all fours is because they because in real technology, they haven't figured out how to make a robot actually run on two legs. And so... scary. Yeah, and so that's why they they had her run on all fours, because it, it would be faster. But honestly, visually, I think it's more effective. It, it seems kind of Oh, like it's feral. way creepier. Yeah, it's way creepier. It's like almost like animalistic, so you know? Uh. Like, to see her running like that. You know, one of the really great moments that I should have brought up when you mentioned her eyes was the scene when she first walks into the motherfucking house. Yes, when she walks in and And she rips the sunglasses and she looks around. She's like, "Hmm, Uh, I can work with this. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, she is so fucking funny. That was. Yeah. That was. I want to watch it again just from talking about it. I'm like, I want to watch it again. It's so good. So good. It's so silly. Okay, so now Miss Celia's death takes it even further. I feel like her death felt like something out of the Halloween the franchise. It, like, it felt straight out of it, like Child's Play to me. This felt oh, really? like, yeah. like, oh, a, like slightly, the babysitter. Yeah, like slightly campy. Yeah, it's like slightly campy, but still kind of brutal, you know? 
Yeah. Oh, kind of like when John Waters dies in Seed of Chucky yes. with the, the yeah with the chemicals. With the chemicals. <laughs> yes. No, exactly. Like when she gets blasted with a power washer and she flies across <laughs> into the wall. Like that was Cindy from Scary Movie with the sperm. <laughs> and then we we can't forget to mention the fucking that's a Raven dummy that gets attacked by the dog. <laughs> oh my god. Or the Tatum doll. That's kind of what it looked like. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> with one arm hanging. Yes, yeah. with one arm hanging out. I was like, oh, I was like, I'm glad to see she's still getting work. <laughs> yeah. I will say, though, too, the the way that the scenes are shot, from her getting on all fours to Celia's death where, you know, she's in the dark and she emerges from the shadows. There are these classic, like, kind of, like, horror iconography being recreated within the movie yeah. that fits so well. And it honestly makes the direction look very stylish. Yeah, totally. And there's some really cool shots, especially the ones where, like, Megan only has one eye showing, like when her hair is dangling in front of her eyes, that actually makes her look pretty scary. Like, yeah. somebody's like, I forget who is carrying her over the, her shoulder, and you just see her one eye with her hair dangling in front of her face, and she just looks evil. And she so, looks pissed. Yeah, so stylistically, the, the direction is, is pretty spot on. Yeah, it looks amazing. And I think that's kind of all that really happens in this. But there's some good action sequences in there. Yeah, well, I mean, I think we're really we're really starting to see Megan and Gemma really conflict. Um, you know, Megan starts interjecting herself into private conversations, and she's refusing to turn off. And and but she's it's funny because like Gemma was overriding her to be able to control her, but now it seems like Megan is overriding yeah. Gemma. Yeah, absolutely. Like. Yeah, it is interesting to see her, like, especially when she, like, turns her down while she's still speaking, and then she just feels fine. I'll just sit here. Like, she, like, just the look on Megan's face, and she just yeah. sits there and watches and <laughs> observes and judges. Um, yes. Yeah. And you know. hear that every time she turns to you, you're... Yeah. So I will say, some of sometimes there was um, the critique that we got before on the show where sometimes our background music is too high and it causes <laughs> sensory confusion. Whatever. There were times where Megan had some like monologue moments where it was kind of hard to follow completely because of the sounds of the movement and the voice editing also. Sure. Oh, I mean the auto-tune on her voice? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I think it's great though still, but yeah, a little bit of sensory confusion at times, especially here where she gets a little bit more mouthy. Yeah, totally. Um, why don't we finish it off? Let's, do, let's knock it out of the park. Okay, so <laughs> take it away. The Super Bowl is coming up. <laughs> <laughs> Let's knock the ball out of the park because the Super Bowl is coming. <laughs> After learning about Celia's death, Gemma grows even more suspicious of Megan. She reviews video files from Megan's memory, but only sees a brief clip of Brandon bullying Katie before the files become corrupted. Gemma becomes concerned that Megan is overriding her programmed commands and becoming her own controller. Gemma brings Katie to the official launch for Megan, but Katie throws a tantrum because Gemma took Megan away from her, leading Katie to hit Gemma across the face. Bitch, I... This is absolutely preposterous. I'm on my way. You know? <laughs> yes, uh, yes. Super Nanny 911. Yeah, let's... Absolutely never. You're gonna hit me in the face? You're gonna hit... I was shocked that she didn't hit her back. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, my God. Just punches the decks her right in the face. 
Katie apologizes that Gemma has a heart-to-heart with her about needing to process her grief over her parents without Megan's help and promises that she'll be a better guardian. Gemma then goes to Tess and Cole and expresses her fears that Megan killed Brandon and Celia. They hook Megan up to computers for deprogramming while Gemma takes Katie home. Megan fights back, quickly wrapping a wire around Cole's neck in an attempt to hang him. Tess tries to help him as Megan sets off an explosion that destroys her files. She then finds David in the hallway and does a dance before grabbing a paper cutter blade and chasing him. He makes it to the elevator before she impales him in front of Kurt. Megan then tells Kurt that she will frame his death as a murder-suicide over the stolen files and David's mistreatment of him before she makes Kurt stab himself in the throat. The crowd for the launch finds the bodies and chaos ensues, allowing Megan to sneak out of the company and steal a car. Megan shows up at Gemma's house, having hijacked Elsie. She confronts Gemma about how she felt they had a real relationship during Megan's development, only for her to be left to her own devices to learn and adapt before being sold off as just another toy. Gemma and Megan begin fighting. Gemma cuts Megan's face with a weed whacker, but Katie comes in to see what is happening. Megan tries to get Katie on her side, but after realizing who the real villain is, Katie grabs the gloves from Bruce and activates him. The larger robot grabs Megan and throws her around before splitting her body in two. The top half then goes after Katie for feeling betrayed, but Gemma grabs Megan and begins stabbing her face. Megan nearly overpowers her until Katie grabs a screwdriver and stabs the central processing chip, shutting Megan down for good. The end. To be continued. Yeah, and Megan 2.0. Well, the first part of this section, I would say, does a really good job in another concept that's very... I would say tales all the time. There are a lot of movies that deal with this, especially with children, is the acceptance of death as children to prepare yeah. you for adulthood. Yeah, And grief. having, you know... And I think that technology does provide a lot of distraction from our emotions and how we feel and it makes it harder for us to connect to one another. And I think that all of that is also wrapped up in this. Yeah. And I think that there is something to say that there's like, there's no like logical solution to dealing with grief. There's nothing that like a computer can teach you about how to do it. I mean, it's like such a specifically human experience to deal with grief. And that that is the element that Megan has been missing this entire time with dealing with Katie is that it's all been it's all been like a shallow version of what dealing with grief is. But at the end of the day, in order for Katie to actually grieve and move on, she's going to have to do it without the help of Megan. She has to do it in a completely human way, which Megan can't offer her. Absolutely not. But what can she can offer is this fabulous dance. Because okay. I will say that we're, that maybe you're right. Maybe they did take a lot out of the dance. And maybe that will be also explored in the unreal yeah. version. But the movement is so comical and campy. The hair flips. The the kicking yeah. of the foot. The it's arms. It's so good. The <laughs> arms. The arms. Yeah. And the, the aerial. The, the, the blase uh, look yeah. on her face. The dead face. Yeah. yeah. Very, t- so very TikTok. It seems very like, seems like a very job. yeah like young generation commentary like yes going through life just doing these like weird dances yeah this is in, what she's in, in, in inappropriate moments maybe like maybe that's what it's trying to say <laughs> oh my god and it's funny because by the time we get to these moments where she is moving like this and you're laughing and she's killing people and it feels great 
we then get to the opposite end where once this fight starts, it feels a little Jennifer's body, especially when she's trying to convince Katie like to be on her side. Yeah. And like she's like not into it and they start fighting. I, I think it's really funny, but it does feel wrong to laugh at Megan being abused. <laughs> You think so? Because she looks like a little like, girl? When they throw her across and like it's <laughs> funny because it's so stiff because you know it's like that's a raven like yeah. it's very comical but also you're like it's in the design of a little girl and essentially we're, that's what we're watching being thrown around. Oh my around. god well it's like watching Orphan you know same thing it's like yeah yeah oh like oh, I know she's supposed to be like a 33 year old woman but this is actually a child. A child. <laughs> and you feel bad but um but yeah. But and whatever. Also, I, did we uncover a killer doll movie rule here where by the finale, the doll has to look completely Disgusting. fucked up and creepy? Scary. <laughs> oh my God. When she weed whacks it and all of a sudden her hairline <laughs> is like on the back of her head. That is so funny. She looks hilarious. So I was like, good. why haven't I seen that costume yet? If well, I, that's another. Oh. I was like, if I were to, to do Megan, I'd want to do that Megan. <laughs> that Megan, the one the with ha- the fucking hairline. Yeah, back. the bald-headed hoe version of <laughs> Megan. <laughs> you know, it's so funny, too, because, like, her getting fucked up like this, it's also, like, how you said, we love fabulous women, we love evil women in movies, you know, right. and the glamour and all that. But this is also one of the reasons why we love to see, like, female villains, is that when they get, when their makeup well, they, gets smeared oh and their hair gets wild. Wild, and... yes, I even wrote that. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, her hair got wild, it's not straight anymore, it's curly, she's turned into a bad yeah, girl. It's that urban legend yes, thing. That br- with the, the... the Brenda and urban legend, she's got curly hair, that means that she is a crazy bitch. We are digging somewhere, you don't need to to be mama. Yes, okay. <laughs> but yeah, I love when she looks crazy as hell at the end. Yeah, I love it. It's great. Um, and it, it just adds to that. It's like the Chucky movies, you know, by the end right. of the movie, he's oh my, fucked when up. Tiffany's t- like Tiffany. fucking, <laughs> she, when she's like charbroiled. Like. <laughs> and she's like, Chucky. Jackie. Me. And I she love- falls flat on her face. Yes. Oh or, when, so or when he's good. running with Tiffany by the hair. And she's like, ah. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So good. So good. So good. Um, I will say I did find Bruce as soon as he came on screen in the beginning of the movie. I said, oh, this is going to kill Megan. I did find it right. predictable. The foreshadowing. The mirror of The foreshadowing. Like, Look at this thing that I created, this other robot. He wasn't ready. He wasn't, you know, whatever. But then I have Megan. So I I, oh, I knew right there. I said, okay, that's going to kill Megan. I even said it out loud under my breath. But my mm. my friend who didn't want me to be a critic was sitting next to me. So <laughs> you had to so keep I, it to yourself. I kept it to myself. But I was right. It's and, that idea of like screenwriting where it's like you're your opening image should match your ending image. Like yeah, that exactly. Is the foreshadowing, the irony. Sure, the sure, sure. Yeah, and then I knew full circle. I was like, oh yeah, okay, so then her, that brain that she explained to, to Katie when she's like, this is Bruce's whatever, whatever, this, and then this is his brain right in the middle. I said, oh, that's how you yeah. kill Megan. And, I was and it's right. a classic movie monster thing too, where it's like this monster that was created has to be destroyed by its creators, like sure, Frankenstein. Of course, but also there's still a human element to Bruce because he is controlled by our hands. By the hands. By the hands of a human. He, you know, he just sort of enhance. He's like sort of an enhancement. An enhancement, as of opposed a human. to a replacement for a human. 
Because you have to put the heart into Bruce. He doesn't right. do it himself. Exactly. <gasps> Bruce is still oh, you. You are so insightful for that Bitch, one. Bitch, I literally just Bitch, thought of that. So. <laughs> a professor of science, mama. Okay, I got my degree in theater. <laughs> and that's how he knows about robots. And that is how I know about robotics. <laughs> Robotique. Robot. Robot <laughs> was, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I love oh my it. And so, yeah, and so, um, you know, Megan is defeated. There's some Terminator reference here. Um, the ripped in half body, like the yes. crawling of the upper body is a very, <laughs> is a very classic image from pretty much every single Terminator film. And yeah. uh, so, and there's a lot of parallel to, to Terminator here. This is like Terminator light, you know, it's like, right. Terminator for the gays, you know, just what without I, a, a sexy buff man. So maybe Terminator is for the gays too. Hmm. Honestly. Yeah. These both are, this would be a great double feature. Okay. Ter- for, small soldier. Yeah. Oh, it's like Terminator into small soldiers into Megan. Yes. And there are glory holes in the bathroom because <laughs> know your demographic. Know your demographic. Theater, midnight yeah. <laughs> yeah, triple feature. So, I mean, so so Megan Megan's defeated, right? And then she's uh, defeated. And this third act, I just wish there were was a little bit more bloodshed. I agree. Of of the three acts of this film, I think the third act is the weakest. Um, I like the fight between Megan and Gemma, but I do think that everything leading up to it is sort of safe you know yeah. the attack on on her two colleagues with bl- exploding the room like i don't know it just it's a yeah. little safe for me aside would... from her sort of flipping into yeah. pulling him up on the string that scene's not it's very it's, and they don't even die they don't even die they live they show up at the end exactly yeah. it's like megan isn't even efficient in killing people like what what the hell is that about i thought she was supposed to be scary I know. I hope that the, the they'll show us a little bit more. Um, but I do think that, again, with the editing that they did to cut it back to PG-13, I still think that David and Kurt's death is effective. Sure. I just wish there was a little bit of a higher body count. They were doing so well. I mean, we do see a little bit of how sadistic she is when she decides to to uh, orchestrate their, their murder as, like, whatever a murder is. suicide a murder suicide moment yeah like sophistication I she's yeah, smart she is smart but yeah i don't know it's like whatever to me i kind of wish i wish it kind of would have gone a little differently but uh once we get back to the house i i'm all good with it i think the fight between her and Gemma is fun what we we, we haven't really touched on this but what we kind of noticed throughout the movie is that megan also has control over other pieces of technology throughout the house yes or like in general she can command the the electronic car she can she kind of lights out turn the lights out she has command over miss elsie who is this movie's version of a i'm assuming alexa (laughs) yeah and i love that too when you start to realize that elsie is an accomplice like helping megan pull this finale off when they move in unison and it's like ah so good so is that does it? That does yeah, it? I mean, yeah. So There's not we, much else to say. Yeah, we're like it's, left. We're left with the potential of a sequel because when I all is said and done, Miss Elsie comes back on, and we're supposed to be like, did Megan upload yeah. her consciousness to the internet? Like, don't worry. There, give us enough love, and we'll give you 
Uh, and this movie has great reviews. 94% yeah. on Rotten Tomatoes, which is stellar. Super good. Better than any Scream movie we've been raving about. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think I would just, I would grade it on its own curve, you know? Yeah, for what for it sure. is, I think it's very effective. I think it is a very, very strong horror comedy full of camp. And I think it appealed to the right I don't think maybe the right audience. The right audience. Maybe not the one that they anticipated, but it did. I mean, that meme of um the 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 movie theater and there's like a screening oh. of bros and then a screening of Megan and the bros line is empty and then the and the Megan line one is, is out the door for Megan. People. Yeah. It's yeah. all the gays going to the movies and bros yeah. is empty and Megan is full. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I so it appealed to the right demographic. I mean, the one that made it profitable. It, it, right. Let's be honest. Out of the two demographics they were appealing to, gays and teens, who has the money, mama? Okay. Not the teens. teens. Just kidding. No, the teens. Yeah. The teens. Because well, it's hard out yeah. here. Yeah. That probably was not the greatest lead up to that <laughs> delivery, to the answer. Uh, yeah, I think that this is the next best thing to Chucky. I think it got so many things right that the remake did not. Um, it appeals to a wide range of audiences like we discussed. It's really well done. It's well acted. It's simply written, which I think is right. in its tone. There's not a lot to say. The narrative is exactly what you would expect it to totally. be. Um, and also, they didn't do much character development for some Anybody of the else? supporting characters. <laughs> yeah. Really, Katie is the the starring role here. Yeah. Uh, but the PG slasher, PG thirteen slasher element was done well. Yeah. Um, I'm surprised. I'm. I don't know why this just popped in my head. I'm surprised the yeah. therapist didn't have a scene where she was killed. Getting like, off. Yeah. You know, I'm they're sure. missed opportunities. They probably cut that but out. Yeah, I'm sure that's a cutout sort of moment. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate what this movie did with what the material was and even cutting it back to PG-13, even though I personally would not have done that. I think that they still did a really great job. Yeah. Um, And it just gets more people wrapped up into the horror element of it all. Like now we get to get teens involved in something that's enjoyable for rated R horror fans as well. So it's a good balance. Right. And I think that in a time and, you know, where we've had nothing, not nothing, but we've had a lot of, dark elevated horror you know it's kind of nice to have a little cheapy comical something goofy a goofy silly campy horror film like that's also something we need in this world you know something just kind of have fun like something fun like there's a time and place for the heavy hitters and we love them we we love to dissect and we love to watch them but but sometimes it's fun to have something silly and goofy to have fun with your friends and I think that's exactly what this movie is yes and honestly I I would give this movie a four and a half out of five I'd give it a four out of five I'm gonna give it a four and a half I think that there's a little bit of lack in quality I would almost give it a four but I think the more we've discussed it it always changes my mind after we discuss something and I think that I'm going to give it just a half star more. Okay, great. Yeah. Good job, Meg. Yeah, and, I, and I think that, uh, I think a, a that's my favorite meme. Super solid. Which one? Megan, Megan the Stallion's face on Megan. Oh, yes. <laughs> I just saw one that was uh, Madonna and Megan. It was like, Ma- what is, what was this? Like Mag- Magda, Magdonna, Magdonna, Magdonna. <laughs> yes. But it was like Madonna's new face on Megan. Uh- <laughs> So shady. So shady. 
now she's a that's gonna be Megan 2.0 is that she's a caregiver for old people (laughs) (laughs) it's like well it didn't work out as a children's toy but it works great as a nurse (laughs) (laughs) for Madonna chasing all these this is Madonna's return to the silver screen for (laughs) Madonna It's sort of a Jennifer Tilly, yes. Chucky thing. Yes. <laughs> it worked well for her. Okay. It could work for Madonna, too. Yeah, All righty. All right. That, thanks for listening to our episode on Megan. Go check it out. Yes, absolutely. We're popping more episodes out of the oven. Um, we'll play it by ear because sometimes our schedules get yeah. too crazy. Yeah, so but- we're not going to announce anything official yet, but just because, you know, who knows what's going to make the roster. Yeah, this- exactly. <laughs> But I'm, I'm glad we were able to get it together and get you uh, an episode. I hope everybody had a lovely Valentine's Day. Yes, we just missed the Valentine's Day. We did have a Valentine's episode planned, but <laughs> we were behind schedule, so we had to skip it. We had to skip it. So we love you all. I know everybody loves our Valentine's Day episodes between Valentine and the Love Witch and Dracula. So um, go back and re-listen, or if you've not listened to any of those, give them a little listen yeah i will say season two is probably full of some gems like we did have um we had dracula i think no not that season that was season four season three season Season three yeah they're all mixed up to me now yeah what did we do a valentine's day episode for season three i don't think we did because it was at the end of the year no because it's the end end of the second half of the year yeah so yeah go check out the love witch dracula and um those are the most. I don't know. There was one time when we went, <laughs> when we did like I think it was season one then, where we did like Valentine and um, Scream and Queen of the Damned. And oh yeah, felt we, sort we, of had, very we had a Valentine-y. month of obsessions. Yes, obsessions that's what month. it was. Fear. Ingrid goes west. Oh yes, it's from that. Yes. Oh my god. Yes. What an era. Go back and listen to to those oldies but goodies. Yes, absolutely. And follow us on Instagram at Fear the Talking Queers. Yes. And if you're listening to this on uh, whatever the hell you're listening to it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, you can rate us where you're listening. So do that now. Yeah. Give us a five stars. We would love it. Spotify, Apple Podcasts. We would so appreciate it. Yes, but until next time, sweet screams, bitch. Bye.